Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome to Ayers on the Road. As Christmas approaches, the first thing we want to do right out of the box is wish you a merry, merry Christmas. Absolutely. I I just saw a young mother at the grocery store and she's like, are you as hassled as I am? Oh my gosh, I am dying. I said, yeah, I just feel so sorry for these young mothers that are filling all these lists. She said, I thought that you had it worse than I did. You have all those grandchildren. And I said, well, you're right. We are having 23 people tomorrow and a sleepover with everyone into Saturday. So it's crazy no matter who you are. But wow, well, what a great season. Most listeners will probably hear this on Christmas Eve or maybe the day before Christmas Eve. And we, it's such a wonderful time of year. But we're what we're actually going to do today as we get into the show is talk about something a little different. It's the magical week that follows Christmas and precedes New Year. That one week between Christmas and New Year's Day when so much family is gathered and so many things are happening. And how is the best way to view that time? I mean, you know, you've all got every person, every family has their Christmas traditions and their New Year's traditions. What happens in between is an interesting question because fortuitously that week is placed right as the new year is getting ready to begin. So we happen to think it's a great time to think about the new year as a family, to think about 2018 and what's going to happen in our family and what are our goals and what are some of the things that, that we need to understand about each other in order to, to make 2018 the best year that our family's ever had. You know, most New Year's resolutions are well, we could get off on a tangent on that. They're, they're usually individual resolutions. I read the other day that 80% of them have to do with losing weight. <laughs> but we're, we sure. want to think about a different kind of thinking about family planning for the new year, family resolutions, family communications, using it as a time to say, how was last year for our family and how is next year going to be for our family? What are the things we did well? What are the things we could do better? Well, if you're listening to this on Christmas Eve, if you're like I am, the other day somebody said something about a New Year's celebration, and I suddenly thought, oh, my gosh, yes. I can't think about that this, yet. <laughs> I, I can't really think about that yet. And and yet it really is a good time. I mean, it's a little less hectic after the big day. And, and, and in fact, on the 26th of December, um, it's Which we Boxing call Day. Boxing Day in England. Boxing Day when we lived in England. And we loved it because everything shut down for two days, not just one day. And Boxing Day was a time when you visit extended family. You but isn't it supposed to be when you box up your stuff? No, I mean, you, no, no, no. You box up a lunch and you go share it with your family. That's what Boxing that's what Day means. Okay. I mean, you're an American. Only an American would think of boxing up uh, well, the stuff. Well, I've been away the day from after England Christmas. too long. Um, but it really is a great tradition. We are meeting with all our sisters and our daughters and daughters-in-law with my sister and her daughters and daughters-in-law. And it really is a great time to just celebrate with extended family. Sometimes they get kind of left out because you're so occupied with your own family. But it is a good time to really think about, you know, what, and as Richard just said, what are my goals for my family this year? 
And um, what am I going to do to improve things? Maybe improve a relationship or be more diligent in um, talking about them and thinking about them. And we ought to have a name for it, Linda. What's the name for that week? That one week, the last week of the year, the year after Christmas and leading up to New Year's Day. I guess you could call it the grand finale week. You could call it the the run up to the New Year week. You could call it the we're all together. Why don't we talk about the future week? I mean, none of those are very good names, but you know, maybe maybe you could come up with a name. Well, the grand finale week is not a That's bad not idea. Bad. The crescendo week. The crescendo into the 2018. That's true. The final six seconds on the clock week. I don't know, but before we jump into that, I did want to say that. Uh, kind of a follow-up on last week's show, for those of you who heard it, we, we do get more and more parents sort of struggling with the conundrum of, of Santa Claus versus Jesus. And that sounds like a funny way to say it, but we, we, we wrote about it in our column this week, and I wanted to call your attention to that in the Deseret News. A lot of you probably go on BYU Radio website, and you when you go to our show, it lists um, a lot of things there as links, and one of them is our weekly column in the Deseret News, and we, we often tie that column into what we're doing on the radio so that people who um, people who are wanting a little more detail than what we've had time to talk about can go there and find it out. And by the way, we're also, as of this week, we're adding our Facebook page and our Twitter um, address to that little list on the, on the BYU radio website because there's a YouTube video uh, on this whole subject of how to differentiate between the, the true story of Christmas and the wonderfully imagination story of Santa. And so there's an article and a uh, YouTube video that we made a year or so ago that we're hauling back out for this Christmas. And, and the best way to get to those is to go either to our Facebook page or to our uh, Twitter page. So Linda, the, the thing I just wanted to mention, when we wrote our article this week, it occurred to us that one good way to sort of state that differentiation is to say, there's room at Christmas for both joy and happiness in a family. And if you define joy as the deep, gospel truths of Jesus's birth and the nativity and the wonderful story that all of us try to celebrate on many of us on Christmas Eve. That's where I think the joy is, but there's still room for the happiness, which is a little lighter term, right? That comes on Christmas morning. So have both the joy and the happiness. Absolutely. I think everybody has some of all that, you know, we kind of said to each other during the week, do you, do you feel the Christmas spirit? Have you felt the Christmas spirit? And actually uh, I felt it best this week. I think when we visited a family from uh, Burma, actually uh, my, Myanmar um, who are refugees living in Salt Lake city and, our um, congregation, we mentioned this last week, but our congregation is visiting, I think, about 30 families. Everybody's assigned a family to just go visit just to get a look at how their world is. And it was such a fascinating um, few minutes there, didn't you think? It really was. We brought them a little gift and so on. But more important than that was 
Weren't you kind of amazed, Linda? I mean, they've they've been here in this country for uh, you know a few years, seven now, years, but yeah. they're still they're still really part of a separate and sort of d- divorced culture from the American culture, and not the same at all. Well, and they said they didn't know about the nativity really. You know, they don't yeah. they didn't know how to celebrate Christmas. Yes, and interestingly, they're members of the Mormon Church. Some of them were. Some of the Older children were not, but both the mother, father, and the grandmother and the little children were members of the church. And they still, they just didn't quite get it. We said, do you celebrate Christmas? They said, we don't know how. There was no Christmas yeah. tree. There was there was no furniture. They did have some folding chairs that they offered to us because <laughs> they saw we were old. But um, they'd well, rather sit on the floor. They'd rather sit on the floor. And, and the they'd reason, rather sleep on the floor. And Yeah, they sleep on the floor. But the reason is... That they were in a refugee camp. They were driven out. Uh, the, our soldiers were years. killing them. And uh, they were driven out and went to Thailand. I think it's 17 years. This Maybe it was 18 years because this young mother was born in the camp. And she wasn't too much older than that. She was maybe 25. But she yeah. was, it was an incredible story to think about. This is why they sit on the floor all the time. They'd been sitting on the ground for all those years in a refugee camp. And they, they told us about the tents and how they had to cook over a fire outside the tent and then slept in that tent every night and it got cold. I said, well, it's not cold as Salt Lake, but very cold by Thai uh, standards. Well, there's a lot to say. I mean, your point, I think, Linda, is that one of the ways to always feel the Christmas spirit is through service. And I would say that's associated with the joy part of Christmas, with the with the truest, deepest part of Christmas, with Christ and his gift to us and the well, gift of his birth and so on, you know. And I think part of the joy of Christmas is new realizations and new horizons and learning new things. Like, for example, this family. Honestly, it was so interesting just to be there maybe for an hour. We went once and the... They weren't all there. They weren't all there, so we went back. And I mean, all the people weren't there. I don't mean the people weren't all there. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Anyway, um, you could tell they were wonderful people. You can tell by people's faces, you know, how, how what is kind of going on in there. Maybe that's not politically correct, but I really believe that they had such good faces and a lot of, a lot of kindness, and you could tell that they'd been through a lot. His grandmother was holding a two-month-old baby. And couldn't speak a word of English, but she spoke volumes in her face and her reactions to what we were saying and so on. So that was really a joyful experience. Well, and I, I just want to add, I felt that, you know, another way to feel the Christmas spirit. And I'm, I'm always now thinking, is that the happiness part or is that the joy part? But we went to some marvelous concerts this past week with members of our family. And Sometimes I think they combine both the happiness and jolliness of, you know, commercial Christmas, but, but with the deeper, with the deeper joy parts of Christmas. And um, it's kind of fun to think about that and to, and to not have them necessarily compete with each other, but to allow room for both. Then once you have the next couple of days go by and you've had your, maybe your joy of Christ on Christmas Eve and your happiness of Santa on Christmas morning and so on. Then comes Boxing Day, the 26th, and that that interesting week where most kids are out of school the whole time and many people take the whole week off of work. Not all. A lot of people go back to work the day after Christmas, but 
it nonetheless for me, for many and probably most families that's the week i wonder if there would be data on that linda if you tried to pick the, out the one week during the 52 week year when when more family members are together both with immediate family and nuclear family and with extended family I, I guess there'd be some summer weeks when people are on vacation that people would be together a lot but i'm sure near the top of that list would be this this week from the 26th to the first when we're still celebrating we're still in a holiday mood but I, I'm going to say this. I think for some people, and maybe you'll disagree on this, Linda. I don't know. We've never talked about it. But I think for some, you know, there's a buildup to Christmas. And then you have this wonderful Christmas Eve in your family, this wonderful Christmas day. And, and then maybe you just sleep it off the next day and you're just sort of relaxed. And, and then what happens? For some, I really think there's a letdown. There's like, well, Christmas is over. Nothing really to look forward to now. You know, we're just... We're just hanging out. What do we do next? And, you know, there is a lot of depression that surrounds Christmas. I think it comes right after Christmas more than any other time. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, some people don't go to sleep the day after Christmas because they're most clean, of the mothers yeah. are cleaning, cleaning up <laughs> and they're cooking for the next event and so on. And everybody's out on the ski slopes or doing whatever. And um, so, I mean, that's not only true, but, but it, what I feel the week after Christmas is relief, you know, <laughs> that yeah, it's, it's, over. it's Thank so goodness. exciting and everything's so great, but it is a relief to go on and then to, to really enjoy some things. Well, what we're going to suggest in the second half of the show today is, and not all of them will appeal to every person, but we're going to suggest some, traditions or rituals that you might consider implementing uh, or starting within your family in that week that follows Christmas and, and gets up to New Year. We've got some ideas and maybe they'll prompt some ideas in you how to make a productive and happy week. So, so hang on, we'll be back in just a minute. We're back. Um, we are excited because we are in Utah right now, and there is um, snow. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for snow. And uh, if you're down in the valley, there's not so much snow, but it's still white down there. But um, for us, it is so wonderful because we're up in the mountains, and it is just beautiful. And it's a good thing because we got 23 folks coming tomorrow. To sleigh ride. What would we do with them otherwise? What would we do otherwise? And I'll be in the house the whole time and it'd be really tough. But we're doing our, our, our Christmas Eve tradition a couple of nights early so we can gather all these families, that our three families that live close enough to come. The Nazareth Supper. We're going to eat only the foods that they ate in those, in those times. We're going to just have candlelight. It's going to be great. In fact, we haven't explained this very much, but this has been going on in our family for a long, many, many years. What we decided when our kids were little is that on Christmas Eve, and we're doing it early so that other people can accommodate their in-laws and so on. Um, but on Christmas Eve, we all meet together. And for a few minutes, we're transformed back to Nazareth. And we are having a dinner that is similar to what they would have had in Nazareth the night before Mary and Joseph leave. For kind Bethlehem. of a send-off dinner for Mary and Joseph on their journey. 
Right. And it is so fun. Every year it's a little different. Um, but we we have dinner conversation about uh, surrounding Mary and Joseph. And, we, the, you know, I'm going to be the mother tonight. Um, usually you mean Mary's mother? Mary's mother. Mary's and father. being so concerned about that 100-mile journey on a donkey and where will you stay in between and all that. But then other members are invited to come to the yeah, party. We'll have of, other family members. And uh, including, I mean, we're, we've got Elizabeth and Zachariah, and we've got um, also... Uh, they suggested we actually we have a daughter who's just moved here from Boston and they have perfected this. They have gone um, all out and everybody's supposed to come in costume and stay in character during the dinner and do some research on the character that they are. And so that they can be knowledgeable and ask some good questions. Yeah, we've never found anything that puts kids into more of a somber, reflective, serious, um, spiritual mood. And that's what I think we want on Christmas Eve. But let's get on to the subject of today, Linda. So now Christmas Eve ends, uh, Christmas is over. What do we do with that coming week? One, one of the things that we've found to be really wonderful, and we've seen a lot of families do this, is start a list during that week and think about it as the week goes by. What are the biggest blessings that have come to our family in the past year. So in this case, in 2017, what are, what are the greatest blessings we've had? And it's fun to have people write down a list of maybe the 10 things they think are the, their biggest blessings or their family's biggest blessing, and then to compare them and compile sort of a composite list. And a new baby was born, let's say, or someone got a promotion at work, or there's a new church calling, or there's a uh, somebody moved into a different house or, or somebody recovered from uh, an illness or something that we were worried about. Yeah. yeah. Um, any, any of those things. And when we start thinking about this, uh, the first of December and kind of all the way through about this year, but especially uh, in that last blessings, week, yeah, that's the time to concentrate it. And so um, that's a good time to really um, say, you know, this happened, this happened, this happened. And just think back, boy, time just goes by so fast. If you're gathered with family members, you know, you might start a chart, get a big foam core board or a big chart on an easel and, and, and label it the biggest blessings of 2017 and let people write on it what they think. So it's sort of out in, in the visible area of the house and people are thinking about it all the time. They're reflecting back on the year and and what the blessings were. And the blessings aren't all, it's interesting when we've done that, Linda, the blessings are not always achievements or accomplishments or rewards. A lot of times, just like you said, they're a difficulty, a trial we had, but we got through it and now we look back on it as a blessing. And it's a wonderfully reflective thing to do. And if you're not all together, if you're, if you split up and, and you all go your separate ways that week after Christmas, it can be an email. It can be a, a group text that you're circulating and everyone's contributing what they're looking back on as a, as a great blessing of the year gone by. What, what could be better than using the last week of the year to reflect on the blessings of the first 51 weeks? Well, uh, as I was saying, time goes so fast that you just kind of take it for granted. I mean, they've got through that, did that, done there, been there, done that. And we don't really take the time unless we organize the time to think 
what happened to us or to me, if you're an individual, this year yeah. that really made a difference in my life. And that and, reflects in your prayers, too, don't you think? I mean, you're, you're thinking about those blessings, so you're, especially in family prayers, you're, 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 you're thanking God for the things that have happened to you during that past year. It's a marvelous thing. Thinking of the blessings is, is a wonderful end in itself, but it's also a precursor or a lead-in to the next thing we'd like to suggest, which is, now what are we thinking about for 2018? What are the goals we have as a family? What are the goals we have as parents? What are the goals we have as children of our parents during this coming year? Where do we want to do better? What do we want to do? And again, if, if you're in a, a situation where you're gathered somewhere, I love having a big chart out somewhere where people can write down their goals for 2018. It's not quite the same thing as a New Year's resolution. It's a little more than that. It's like, what do I hope really happens during this coming year? Yeah, I think, and, and it's a nice reminder. I just uh, maybe about a month ago at Thanksgiving, we were talking about how grateful we were and some things that we wanted to to do. And I promised myself that I was going to listen to more podcasts. This American life is so awesome. And um, there's there's one called My Life is a Poem. There's so many enriching things, TED Talks and things you can listen to that are encouraging to you. And I think young mothers do that more than grandmothers do it just because we haven't been used to having that access. But um, have I done that? Not really. I did listen to one very interesting this American life, but you have to decide how you're going to make it a habit. How are you going to make that happen? Because just writing it down, as many of us know, is not just magic. It doesn't just work that well, way. Well, and again, here that that actually brings up a really important point. I think, Linda, why, why, in what way is what we're talking about now different than sort of the typical New Year's resolution? Um, Process And the reason I'm a little critical of New Year's resolutions is that most of the studies I've seen show that most of them are broken after the first couple of weeks of the year, broken or forgotten. Well, most and of I, them are about diets. So well, you know, yeah. That is hard to stick. It's a hard time. <laughs> but I think part of it is that people um, are very general. You know, I want to lose I want to lose weight or I want to eat better. Or I want to, you know, and I'm not criticizing what you just said because it's a good one, but, but I want to listen to more podcasts or whatever. What, what I think, I mean, that might be what you'd do if you sat down and you gave yourself an hour to write out your New Year's resolutions. You know, they'd be a little quick and they might be a little nonspecific and a little bit, um, maybe even a little bit shallow. But if you thought of this whole week, this week between this magic week between Christmas and New Year and said, I'm going to think all week about next year. I'm going to have a calendar. I'm going to look at the things I know are coming up in 2018, I'm going to put them on the calendar. I'm going to decide uh, a little about what, what, what really matters when we get to a year from now, when is the end of 2018, what do I want to look back on? What relationships do I want to improve on within my family? What, uh, what, what do I want to change? If you want a way to categorize it, a good way that we like to use is, you know, what do you want to do for yourself? What do you want to do for your family? And what do you want to do for your place of work? What do you want to do for your church congregation? You can think of ways to segment 2018 and think a little, think a lot. You spend the whole week sort of with it on your mind. 
what do I want to become? What do I want to change? What will make 2018 a real year of joy and happiness for me and for my family? Well, 2018 sounds so wild. Remember when, know, when the millennium turned it. over at 2000? Yeah. We just thought, I don't even know how we're going to say 2000, 2001. It just seemed so strange. And now here we are 18 years into the new millennium. And uh, we have to, it is good to really contemplate. You know, 2018 is a whole new year. And there are some things that we can change and there are some things we can do better. Even though I know a lot of people uh, have a lot of pushback on goals. But I am sitting next to the goal guru. Well, I think <laughs> honestly, you know, we do a lot of goals in our family. And I'm and I appreciate the uh, input you've had for me and also the kids, because our kids really are goal setters and and do a great job with it. Well, the great thing about setting, again, I'm back to this magical week that ends the year, the one year and starts the next. The, the great thing about doing some heavy-duty, concentrated thinking about what you want to do during the new year, not, not only what you want to do, because that can, that can sort of spiral down into, you know, um, financial goals or, or career goals or, or things that are really only part of the picture. So, but if you think in terms of what you want to become during 2018 and, and what you want to do in the various areas of your life that matter to you, maybe you want to divide it by, you know, the mental, the physical, the emotional, the social and the spiritual, but however works for you to divide it, the, the, the benefit of thinking a lot about it at the new year is that provides you with a kind of a framework within which to think about it during the year. In other words, the best short-term term goals are always extracted from a good long-term goal. So if you come up with some yearly goals that you're happy with, that you're really satisfied with, then you can say, okay, what do I want to do on that goal in January? What do I want to do on this goal in January? What do I want to do in February? And it begins to become, it, it sort of takes... I think the reason people shy away from goals, Linda, is because, oh, I've seen, I've done that before and I just don't reach it and it just makes me aware of my own failures and so on. Oftentimes the reason is because they're not following through. They're just thinking about the goal once and then they're not, they're not segmenting it down to smaller goals. So I think this is, and again, remember that this is a family time. So these are family goals, relationship goals, things you want to be better within your own family. Yeah, it really is. It's so nice to, to segment it, as you say, but to have a check system, you know, maybe the first Sunday of every month, and actually we do our planning on Sunday, and the first Sunday have a way to check on yourself. What, yeah, how am right. I doing on this? Because it's just so easy to forget because life is so complicated. And if, if you have in mind specific things you have to do and say, oops, I nope, I did not do well. Now this is what I'm going to do specifically. That's I'm glad you said that, Linda, because essentially what we do on Sunday is we think back through the last week, what happened during the past week, and right. then we think, what are we going to do during the coming week? So what we're really suggesting for this week between Christmas and New Year's, just a, ma a macrocosm of that, where you think back over a whole year, what were our blessings, then you think forward to the next year, what can we do to make ourselves and our family even happier next year than, than this year. So we just hope you have a fabulous Christmas if you're listening to this before Christmas or 
that hope you did have a fabulous Christmas and are taking advantage of this week. And we really wish you a Merry Christmas, but especially a wonderful 2018 with some great um, projects in your mind that you're really going to do. And I've been waiting to say this, Linda. For Myers on the Road, we'll see you next year. Uh, Myers on the Road, exactly. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.